right, well, good morning, Doxa Church. Go ahead and grab a seat. Guys, it is great to, to see everybody today. If you're new or visiting, my name is Rob. I'm one of the pastors here. It's, it's great to have you here, part of our, our family gathering celebrating today. For those of you online, welcome. We're bummed that you can't be here, but we get it. And so we're excited for the day that we can all be back together. So before we get going, two preliminary things, okay? Number one, Online people, I'm sorry, I forgot to send out an email telling you that we're gonna be doing communion. So last time, you didn't know that because you trashed my email that I sent out earlier. But this time, it's on me. So this is your warning to go take your kids' crackers and their morning juice and get ready for communion after the message, okay? Secondarily, guys, we, we fly the flag of a family around here at Doxa. One of our core values is that of a family. We're the family of God. And so while we're not gonna do this for everyone, Today is a special day for a man named Jesse Anselman. Jesse Anselman, happy birthday, my man. Guys, give it up for Jesse. He's right back there, he's on the soundboard. Guys, this is like what Jesse does. Jesse, you know, I'm gonna message your mom on Facebook today and just say thanks for giving birth to you because honestly, this church and the church plan, I don't know if it would've been possible without you guys. So thank you for every way that you serve. We love you, we appreciate you. So hopefully today is an awesome day for you. Happy birthday, man. So. As we get going, guys, I want you to take a look at this, okay? It's gonna come up here on the screen. Maybe. You know what this is? It's not just a number, okay? It's not, I ask my kids this and they're like, seven, three, four. No, not just a number. It's actually something really exciting. Guys, it's, this is the number of days that Doxa Church has officially existed. That today we celebrate the Doxa Church family turning two years old. We can give, yeah, you can give it up for that, guys. It's an exciting day. I mean, God has been so good to us, all right? Today is an exciting day. We have so much to celebrate. We have so much to be thankful for. You know, if you've been with us over the last two years, it's, it's really just been incredible to see all that God has done in, with, and through our church. And so today, be, before we jump into our, our study of the book of Genesis, which we're gonna start next week, what we're gonna do today is really just pause. All right, we're gonna pause and, and just reflect on what has been going on over the last two years in our church family. And we're just gonna consider some of the big moments, all right, that we've experienced as a church family that have really shaped us as the family called Doxa. All right, and as we do this, as we celebrate two years of, of being Doxa Church together, here's the awesome thing about this. The name Doxa reminds us that this celebration is really not about us. Because I just want you to, to remember the, the name doxa, the word doxa is the Greek word for glory. And doxa as it relates to God, it, it means to recognize the essential nature of his greatness, his goodness, his godness, which gives him the importance and the weight and the focus that he deserves in our lives. In the very name of our church, every time we say doxa, it reminds us that it's all about Jesus. It's all about his glory, it's, it's not about ours. And so as we celebrate today, guys, it's not about what we've been able to do as a church family, but it's all about what God has done to bring about the family, the church called Doxa. And we've talked about this over the last several years, right? This is the difference between a biography and a testimony, that a biography is, is very much all about me. It's about my successes, my accomplishments, my failures. It's, it's a very me-centric way of viewing life. And we could celebrate today in a biography type of way and say, look what we've done, look at all these things that we've accomplished. And, but the Bible uses the wording of, of testimony. And a testimony is different from a biography. 
But a testimony is, is all about Jesus. It's not about me. It's all about what God has done, not about what I have done. And this is how we celebrate, recognizing that God is just so good and he has done great things. And our story, our, our celebration, our anthem, is that it's all about Jesus. Because, Doctor, so the truth is, we aren't great, talented people who have started a great church in a great city. But the reality is, is we're just ordinary, common, broken, messed up, sinful people who happen to have a great God. And that great God, in his goodness, in his grace, has breathed life into this dream called Doxa. And this is what we ultimately celebrate today. And as we started this church two years ago, we, we did so with a, a certain saying on our tongue, in our mind, in our hearts. You guys remember what that saying was? When you guys, I know that you used to laugh and say you're like a broken record player. You just, you're on repeat. You say the same thing, right? Do you remember that saying? Stay in the passenger seat. You remember that? We kept saying this over and over again. Guys, this is the posture that we, we keep, we fight to keep. That this thing called doxa, it's, it's really not about us. So we can't take credit for any of the good and exciting things that, that we've seen through the, our church over the last two years, but by faith and in humility, we just sit in the passenger seat and we just enjoy the ride as God just drives us forward by his grace, for his glory and our good. And we're just kind of like, I've heard it said, there's one of the pastors in our network that, that talks oftentimes is like, man, we're just like sitting under the waterfall of God's grace with a Dixie cup. And we're just, we're just overwhelmed by his grace and his goodness. And God has done great things in our midst. That we sing that song, right? It, it's kind of a cheesy song. God, you've done great things. But like, this is true. This is why we can sing that song. He has done so many great things in our midst. And so here's how we're gonna celebrate today. All right, on my birthday every year, all right, I've kind of introduced this as a, as a yearly discipline and rhythm in my life. I, I reflect on a quote by a man named John Newton, okay? And John Newton says this, it's gonna come up here on the screen. I just wanna read it to you. He says, I'm not what I ought to be, I'm not what I want to be, I'm not what I hope to be in another world, but still I am not who I once was, and by the grace of God, I am what I am. And for me, this, this discipline that I have on my birthday, it really just causes me to pause and just reflect and think back on the year that I just wrapped up and really ask the question like, how has God moved? How, is, how has God changed me? And as I do that, it, it really just kind of leads to worship because as I reflect on this, I, I see the hand of God in my past and over the past year, I see how God has changed me, how God provides for me and it really just kind of wells up affection in worship and just thankfulness because he's been so good and as we celebrate our second birthday today, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna look back and ask, how has God shaped us? What has he taught us? How has he moved in our midst? Because it would be so easy for us just to be like, okay, we've got two services, we're, we're rolling, we've we gotta hurry up, like let's keep rolling, and we don't stop, and we don't thank God and acknowledge what all he has done. But this isn't right. Like We wanna acknowledge what God has done. We wanna celebrate what God has done. And as we've been seeking to, to say, stay in the passenger seat, letting God drive us forward, there have been some pretty big moments over the last two years where God kind of, he broke in, he kind of pressed us, he taught us, he shaped us, he encouraged us, he's, he's challenged us by his word, by his grace. And so as we celebrate, I'm just going to remind us of some of those big moments where, where God broke in and he, he taught us and he shaped us. 
So five big moments, five big things that God has taught us over the last two years, which will remind us of like not just what he has done, but where we're going. All right, so number one, if you remember back to, this is bothering me, I'm just gotta do this, okay? Keep looking at it, okay? If you remember back, September 2018, all right, as we open the doors of Doxa Church, how many of you, just out of curiosity, how many of you were there that very first Sunday in the Sheridan Hotel? Okay, a handful of you, that's great, that's awesome. Where are the rest of the people, right? <laughs> but no, it's awesome, guys, right? But if you remember back to that, as we opened the doors to Doxa, we, we started a journey studying through the Gospel of Luke. You guys remember that journey through Luke's Gospel? It feels like forever ago, I know, like especially in the midst of a global pandemic, it feels like 20 years ago. I'm like, at this point, I'm like, did I even have kids? I don't, I'm not even sure, right? But we studied Luke's Gospel. And I, and I remember planning for that first teaching series, and, and as Ronnie and I, we were, we were praying through and asking the question, like, how do we lead our church through the Bible? We, we felt like God was just pressing us with the idea of, like, just help Doxa, help the church lean into the words, the works, and the ways of Jesus as we watch his life through the gospel account. And the big idea of that nine-month study was this, is that the gospel is good news for all people, you remember this. And we started learning this early on in, in Luke's gospel. In Luke chapter two, right, Jesus is, is born. He steps onto the stage of, of human history and after he's born, right, an angel appears to some shepherds in a field and here's what we heard. Listen, look at this, it's gonna come up here on the screen. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be what? For all the people. For unto you is born in this, this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Good news for all people. And this is something that, that most every Christian church like, will, will quote on Christmas, but, but this truth really kind of landed on our church in a significant way and it informed how God wanted us to live here in Madison. And through this, God really like, kind of just began to expand our view of the gospel that the good news of Jesus, of his grace and his salvation and his forgiveness is, is not just for me. It's not just for the people in this room and in our church as we, we gather. But it's good news for the world, for our entire city. And this was the beginning of God helping us to not just be a church for ourselves, but to be a church that faced outward, that really cared about being part of the fabric of our city because it's filled with people that God loves an outward-facing church for all people. And I remember like how this, this theme seemed to kind of come up like every single week as we studied verse by verse, chapter by chapter through Luke, and God began to shape us into people who started to actually see people. And we started like talking about God's heart and how he wants to have our heart in line with his heart and we're to be conformed to the image of Jesus and, and if we have God's heart, we don't just see people as like scenery or machinery, but ministry. And this is where that language came in. If you guys were around this, you, you remember us talking about this, that all people in, in effect see people in one of three ways, scenery, machinery, or ministry. Some people you, you walk through life and, and you pass by people, you don't engage with people, you don't love people, you don't serve people, they're, they're like scenery for you. They're like walking by a tree or a fence or you know, a fire hydrant. You, you just hope that they don't get in their way, they're, you're, they're scenery. 
Others of you, you, you engage with people, you'll, you'll be with people if they can do something to you, if they can add to your life. You see people as like machines that really can just do something, and if they can do something, you'll, for sure you'll engage. You don't love, you don't serve, but you'll engage to get something from them. But then we watch Jesus. And Jesus didn't view people as scenery or machinery, but ministry as objects of God's love and affection. And this is how God began to shape our heart to see the people of our great city in love. And as I look at myself and I look at our church, while we might not be who we wanna be, and we might not be who we ought to be, by the grace of God, we're becoming more and more who we have been created to be with God's heart to love all the people of our city. And I love that I see this in our church, guys. I, I love like hearing stories of docs of people, God's people, selflessly loving other people around us. I mean, this happens all the time. Like I'll be at a coffee shop, I'll be out to lunch or something like that, and, and I'll be talking with somebody and it'll come up like, who are you, like what do you do? And I tell my pastor at church, oh, which one? Doxa, and they're like, I met some of your people. Like that's one of the coolest things. They were the nicest people in the world. Like this happens all the time. And I, and I love it, it says the right thing about our God, that we love like this. And this is how we march forward as the family of God, knowing that Jesus is good news for all people. And this radically impacts the way that we see people and the way that we engage with people and live towards them as we navigate the everyday stuff of life here in Madison. Living like Jesus for the sake of the world. Now, the second big moment occurred in our study in Acts, that after nine months in the Gospel of Luke, we, we kind of turned the page and we started our study in a look at the historical book of Acts, and God did so much in our, in our months in that book. And do you remember how we, how we approached and how we studied the historical book of Acts? You remember this? We studied as soldiers, not scholars, right? That we talked about the reality that so scholars and soldiers tend to be the ones who study history the most. And while scholars want to look at what people used to do, soldiers want to look at what re remains to be done. That those who are scholars study, so or study history for the sake of information, but those who are soldiers study it for the sake of mission. And as we study Jesus' mission throughout the book of Acts, we, we didn't just look at what God did through people hundreds and thousands of years ago, but instead we looked at what God wanted to still do with us here in Madison as Doxa Church. And in our time in Acts, we learned that, that we're invited to be part of the most significant, the most important mission in the history of the world. And just as a soldier marches forward so that people may receive life, we as the family of God, we started marching forward so that people can meet the man Jesus and receive eternal life. And God showed us how Jesus saved us and, and empowered us to continue what he started. And one of the key kind of like tipping point moments in our church was when we came to Acts chapter eight, all right, with the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. That, that Philip was an apostle, he's like up in Jerusalem, he's like everything good is happening and all of a sudden God just tells him, hey, go into the middle of nowhere. And Philip's like, well, why would I go to the middle of nowhere? But he just does, he follows God. And he's in the middle of nowhere, he's like, I don't know why I'm here. And all of a sudden, this Ethiopian man starts driving by on a chariot. And in this time, it was an oral culture, an oral tradition, and so he was reading out loud. This wouldn't have been weird, it's weird now if you were doing that, but it wasn't weird then. And he was reading as he was riding on his chariot, 
And he just happened to be reading part of the scroll of Isaiah in Isaiah 53. And he's reading about how there's a man, a man that died for our sin, a man that frees us from the bondage of sin and death and hell. And Philip hears him and he goes up to him and he says, hey, do you know what you're you're reading? And the guy's like, no, like who is this guy? Like how am I, I, I wanna know who this guy is, but can someone tell me about it? And then verse 35, look at this. Then Philip opened his mouth. Doc said he opened his mouth and began with this scripture. He told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And guys, through this, God helped us to learn this really important truth, that God uses people to save people. Remember this. Don't forget that, that God has saved you to use you to help others meet Jesus. And that's the story of every single one of us here today, every single one of us online who is following Jesus. This is your story, that God used somebody to save you, that they came into your life and they opened their mouth and told you the good news of Jesus. And as we learned this, we we began to appreciate more and more the saving grace of the gospel for us. But it began to move us towards people, towards the people of the world that God loves, and we move towards people in love to give them the greatest gift that we've ever received, and we just opened our hands and opened our mouth, and we gave them Jesus, the gospel, because we began to understand like more and more the truth of what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 10. I just want you to listen to this. Paul says, how then will they call in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent. And I remember in the midst of this study in Acts, in the aftermath of of us studying through this chapter, feeling like a shift in our understanding of the gospel. And we started to realize that we're not just to exist as like a holy huddle. There's a temptation for a lot of Christians that you just like, I'm gonna get around my own people. Right, and I'm just gonna stay here in the confines of this church, it's safe, we all believe the same stuff. We started to realize, wow, that's not really the mission of the Christian. That we're a family, but not just a family that exists for itself, but a family with a mission. And we started understanding that we're essentially about two things here at Doxa, Jesus and people. People meeting Jesus because Jesus loves people. And it's been just incredible to see how this has like changed our church and really changed the lives of so many people in our city, because many of us, we, we started asking the question like, who's in front of me? Like, who's in front of me, just like Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch, who's in front of me that I need to kind of put down my phone and I need to actually see them and I need to engage them and I need to love them like Jesus? Like, who's in front of me that needs to hear the saving message of the gospel? Who's in front of me that God has intersected my life with that just needs to know that God loves them and God sees them? Who is that? And over time, as we started like, learning this, as we watched people come to faith in Jesus and, and get baptized, we, we heard their stories, which all sounded so familiar, that people would come up on the stage, they would get baptized, but before that, they would open their mouths and share their testimony. And they all kind of went something like this. I had a friend. I knew a guy. There was this girl. And they told me about Jesus. It saved my life and changed my life. 
Because even today, we keep running with that passion. Jesus and people. People meeting Jesus because Jesus loves people. This is the prime goal, that God did this in us. He, he gave us this heart. He's working through us. It's not because we're, we're great, but he's doing this work. And by his grace, this is how we'll continue to march forward together as the family of God. Now, here's the third big moment that you, I think you'll remember. All right? You guys remember the forward campaign? You guys remember that? You with me? How many of you remember the forward campaign? Were you guys around for that? The forward campaign was, was this moment that allowed us to step into this beautiful facility. All right, it was this crazy moment where we were just given just a ridiculous opportunity as a one-year-old church to buy a building. And it was crazy. I mean, it wasn't just a building. It was an amusement park, right? I mean, it was just weird, right? This, this moment that was crazy, it was, it was scary. It didn't seem to make any sense. But we prayed. And we looked to God and we just asked him to, to lead us. And I remember in the midst of this, we were in a teaching series called 16 Words, where we were talking about our mission as our church, that our mission is sharing the gospel in our lives for the glory of God and the good of Madison. And in this, we, we started looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, where we, where we see this language. Take a look. This is what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2.8. He says, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. And this is really ultimately, Doxa, how we do ministry, how we live in the everyday stuff of life here in Madison, sharing the gospel in our lives with the people around us. And I remember as we, as we talked about this, it, it hit me that as the Apostle Paul lived in this way, he did this in the midst of a, a lot of opposition, a lot of uncertainty, that there were so many things, so many unexpected things as we watched the Apostle Paul's life unfold that that just were, were completely unexpected and he had to navigate through these tough times. But he lived his life with God humbly and prayerfully and obediently and audaciously as he followed him. And as we leaned into this, God like really helped us to learn to trust him and to live with big faith. And so we, we humbly and we prayerfully and we obediently and we audaciously followed God and he just provided in huge ways. Not only just like through the generosity of our church family, but just bringing people in situations to come to be that just like were just insane that allowed us to step into this place. And every time, guys, I don't know about you, but every time I walk into this building, every time I sit in my office, every time I'm up here on this stage and I look around, it's just a reminder of the greatness, the goodness, and the provision of God. And it allows us to humbly and prayerfully and obediently and audaciously live for him. And I pray that this is the story of our church for years to come. And the fourth big moment, May 24th, 2020, all right, the greatest year in the history of the world, right? Sheesh, right? The roaring 20s, a whole new thing, okay? But we began to study the book of James, and over the last 15 weeks, God has really just shown us how crucial obedience is as we follow him. And James pressed us with the truth that, that authentic faith leads to genuine works. To say it differently, I mean, James is really just kind of saying, talk is cheap. But do you remember James 2.26? James says this, 
For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. All right, faith apart from works is dead. And as God spoke to us through his words in James, he helped us to understand that that while we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone, irrespective of anything that we do, true saving faith never remains alone. That our good works show and they validate our faith. This is 1 John 2, 6. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. And we began to take steps living more like Jesus on the stage of our lives. And as we were leaning into this, we, we started looking into Micah 6, 8, this one verse that kind of cap- encapsulates like the entire Old Testament law. And God says, "Act, do justice, act kindly, walk humbly with your God. These are the commands of, of God. And out of obedience for the love of God, what Jesus has done for us, we just said, okay, I, I hear you. We put our yes on the table and said, okay, we're gonna start living like this. We're gonna start living more like you even if it costs us something. And in the midst of this, an opportunity popped up out of nowhere, and we had the opportunity to love some of our neighbors, two local schools that asked if we could help them provide school materials for families and kids in need. And in one week, guys, our our church just rallied and we generously gave over $12,000 to these schools. And this isn't, and we did meet that goal, by the way, Okay, so yeah, we did it, that's good. Now, here's what we do, as we clap, doxa, it's not about us, this is not to toot our horn and be like, wow, look how great we are. But this is to say thanks be to God because we know on our own we're sinful, broken people and we're not generous by nature. We like to hold on to what is ours, but God has begun to open up our hands just like Jesus and say, here. And just like Jesus came to give and to give and to give, we're beginning to be more like that. Guys, let's keep going with this. And then finally, the fifth big moment. God has been teaching us to be people of prayer. All right, and this goes again back to our, our study in Acts. Do you remember Acts chapter one? Acts chapter one. Jesus, he's, he's killed, he's crucified, he's buried. On the third day, he raises, conquering sin, death, and hell, and opens up a way for us to have forgiveness and salvation and to be with God for eternity through faith. And after his resurrection, he appears to hundreds of people, but he appears to his disciples. And he shows himself to his disciples, and they're like, I don't know what is going on, you're back. And Jesus is like, I told you, right? But they are all together, like they don't know what's going on, they're, they're confused, and so they go back to Jerusalem, and they all go into an upper room. They don't know what to do. They don't know what's happening. But here's what they did. Verse 14 in Acts chapter one, look at this. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what was going on. And so they said, okay, well the best thing that we can do is just pray. Together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. And as these people prayed, They were together for days just praying. As they prayed, guys, it led to the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came, descended like wind in fire, and the world has never been the same. And in this, God just pressed us to be people of prayer, to expect great things, to pray big prayers, to trust God. And prayer meetings started springing up all over our city. 
I can't help but to think that God is honoring that. Even in the midst of like a global pandemic, it's been super stressful, right? But we still see people coming to know Jesus and joining the church family and God's kingdom, God's gospel is going forward. I can't help but to think that God is honoring those prayers and these prayer meetings are still going. I pray with a group of guys every Wednesday morning right out there in the lobby, 6 a.m., And what I love, guys, is that God is answering our prayers. In fact, this is what we get to celebrate today. One of our big prayer requests has been answered. If you remember back, for those of you who were here before we even started the church, before we opened the doors in June of 2018, as we moved to Madison, God was bringing people from really all around the country, all over our city, to help us start this church. All right, and we were meeting on Sunday evenings in the Vine Church here in Madison. It was just like this small group of people. I remember the first gathering, kind of like looking around, and we tried to make like a big circle to make it look more exciting. Like, there's a lot of people here, right? And I was just like looking. I was like, wow, this is like a ragtag group of guys. I don't know how this is going to work out, right? But we started praying, and we started teaching the Bible. And the first book that we studied through was 1 Timothy, where God basically says, here's how you live as a church. Here's how you behave as a church. And in our journey, we got the 1 Timothy chapter three, and we came upon the teaching about elders in the church. All right, the Apostle Paul says to go into every town and appoint elders to lead God's people, to lead the church. And you'll notice, like, when he says elders, it's like a plurality, it's a, it's a team that leads together, that it's not just a one-man show, that this is not led by, Doxa Church is not just Rob Warren, it's a, it's a team, a plurality. And these elders that lead the church are just Jesus-loving men who guide the church, who lead, and there's safety in this group. Because it's not just one guy making the calls, there's accountability, there's, there's prayer, there's togetherness. And in 1 Timothy 3, here's what Paul says about who these elders need to be. All right, look at this. This is what Paul says. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive, for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how we care for God's church, he must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. And you'll notice the key to elders is their character. These leaders need to be godly, not just gifted. In 1 Timothy 3, it's all about their characters. There's one competency trait. It says that they need to be able to teach the Bible. They need to be able to pass on the truths of the Bible, but it's all about their character. And we've been praying for the last two years. For those of you who were there in June, when we taught through this, I paused in the middle of the sermon and said, guys, would you please just pray? We need godly leadership in the life of our church. And as you know, he's, he's done it. And we get to celebrate this today. And so before I bring these guys up to publicly recognize them as, as the elders, the first elder team of DOXA, I just want you to watch this quick video.